Hello and welcome to Mr. Sorensen's weekly world history podcast. In this week's episode, we will review our unit on ancient Egypt. Egypt has the longest river in the world in it. The Nile is around 4,132 miles long. The Nile provided drinking water, water for irrigation, water for cleaning, fresh silt or soil when the river flooded, and it was also used for transportation for trade. The Egyptians got lucky with the Nile. The people of Mesopotamia never knew exactly when the Tigris and Euphrates were going to flood, and when they did, it was going to cause a lot of destruction. The Nile's floods were predictable. They knew it was going to flood pretty much every spring, and when it did, the flood would be a lot more gentle. Egypt's geography also helped to protect them from attack. The Nile has six cataracts in the south. Cataracts are wild rapids formed by cliffs and boulders in a river. The rapids are going to make it difficult for attackers from the south to get up the river. The Nile Delta in the north is where the river empties into the Mediterranean Sea. This area made attacking from the north difficult because the area was swampy and with all the canals it was like a maze. So if you weren't Egyptian, it would be hard to find a way through. Egypt also has deserts on both sides of the river. Egypt is called the gift of the Nile because without the Nile, people couldn't live in Egypt. The deserts are going to make it difficult to attack Egypt from the east and west because people could not carry enough water for their whole army. Egypt was a great place for agriculture or farming. They planted cotton, wheat, and barley in the wet, rich soil. Probably the most important plant to the Egyptians was not something they actually planted. It grew up as kind of like a weed along the banks of the Nile. Papyrus is a reed plant that grows up along the shore of the Nile River. Egyptians used it to make baskets, sandals, and even river rafts. Most importantly, they used it to make paper. In fact, the English word paper comes from the word papyrus. Like the Mesopotamians, the Egyptians worshipped many gods, which is polytheism. The Egyptians had traditional stories about gods and heroes called myths. These stories were used to help explain things that the Egyptians could not easily explain. Some of their gods and goddesses were Ra, who was the god of the sun and he was the head god, Horus, who was the god of the sky and the protector of the ruler of Egypt, and the Egyptians believed that the pharaoh was the living Horus, so they believed that the pharaoh was Horus on earth. Osiris was the god of the underworld and he was married to Isis. Isis ruled over the dead with her husband. Set is the god of the desert, storms, disorder, and violence. He was kind of like the devil, kind of bad guy in Egyptian myths. And Anubis was the god of mummification and the afterlife. Egyptian pharaohs and their families were often made into mummies after their death. Egyptians believed pharaohs needed their bodies for the afterlife. They embalmed their bodies to help preserve their bodies for the afterlife. They believed that if you led a good life and knew the spells from the Book of the Dead, you could achieve the afterlife. One of the achievements of the Egyptians were the amazing pyramids they built. Pyramids were built to hold the remains and treasures of the pharaohs. The first pyramids were step pyramids. They were simple structures and kind of looked like the Mesopotamian ziggurats. Over time, the Egyptians got better at building them. They even invented a measuring system and number system to help them build the beautiful, accurate pyramids. So looking at how they built the pyramids or the steps in the pyramids, first architects had to design the pyramid, plan where, the, where to build the structure, 
and decide on the type and the amount of materials they needed. Once the location was chosen, it had to next be prepared. So the next step, workers measured and leveled the site to ensure that the foundation was square and stable. They did this by digging trenches and filling them with water to get an accurate level measurement. Adjustments were made to the base to make sure that it was flat. Next, workers had to supply the huge blocks that were quarried from the hills and surrounding mountain ranges for the pyramid. They had to be measured, cut, and taken from the quarry to be delivered to the work site. Many miles separated the two places, and they had to be dragged there on wooden sleds by sheer manpower. They didn't have modern equipment like tools and machines we have today. Next, blocks had to be brought down the Nile River on barges. They had to be loaded from dry docks onto boats that would not sink under the tremendous weight. Each one of the blocks weighed about 2,000 pounds. Next, the works, workers positioned the blocks using ramps and pulleys. Recent discoveries suggest that workers used water to reduce friction and make the path smoother. They continued to construct ramps as the pyramid ascended or went upwards. In order to accommodate the large stones and the massive number of workers, the final step was to decorate the pyramid by covering it in polished limestone, which created a smooth, shiny appearance. And the limestone's like a whitish color, so in the bright sunlight of Egypt, it would almost appear like they were glowing. The biggest and most famous of the nearly 80 pyramids still in Egypt is the Great Pyramid of Khufu. The Great Pyramid of King Khufu was built around 2470 BC, which makes that 4,489 years ago. It is nearly 481 feet tall, which is over one and a half football fields. It is near two other larger pyramids that are nowhere near the size of Khufu's. It is also near a huge statue called the Great Sphinx. It has the body of a lion and King Khufu's head. It was put there because it was supposed to guard the Great Pyramids. The Great Sphinx is 240 feet long and 66 feet tall, and they were built to hold the remains of pharaohs. Um, after the Great Pyramids were built, it was clear that it was too expensive, so they stopped building pyramids uh, over 4,000 years ago. The hieroglyphics was the written language of the ancient Egyptians. It is made up of thousands of picture symbols that represent words. We looked at how we kind of do that today with things like emojis. An emoji represents a word or emotion. And if you send it to someone, they will know what you are trying to tell them without any words. This is kind of how hieroglyphics works. Few people could read or write, only the rich, but the ones that could afford it would go to a special school and become a scribe. About 200 years ago, the Rosetta Stone was found in Egypt. It had the same short story written on it in ancient Greek, demonic, which is a later Egyptian language, and hieroglyphics. Egyptologists could read the Greek and demonic, and so they used those to figure out what the hieroglyphics stood for. The Rosetta Stone was the key to understanding hieroglyphics. The head of the Egyptian government was the pharaoh. The pharaoh's power was absolute, which means they had total power. If the pharaoh said something was a law, then it was a law without any discussion. They were the head of the military and police force, made sure taxes were collected, controlled the food supply, and were even considered to be a god, which made them the head of the religion too. Being considered a god gave them a ton of power over, over the peop their people, 
but it could also be bad too. Pharaohs, since they were considered gods, would be blamed for things like bad weather, a poor harvest, or an illness spreading. Since they were supposed to be gods, people would have felt that they should have been able to stop those things. Although Pharaoh had the power, they are not going to get their hands dirty doing actual work. The Pharaoh's right-hand man was the viziers. They would be the ones actually making sure the Pharaoh's orders were being followed. They would oversee the work. Underneath the viziers were the government governors. Egypt was split into state-like things called gnomes. The Pharaoh would choose a governor to keep an eye on each gnome. The governor will be pretty powerful in their gnome, but they still have to answer back to the viziers and the Pharaoh. Underneath the governors were the other government officials. They were the ones who were actually doing the work. So it's people like tax collectors, grain counters, generals, and other people. They could be pretty powerful, but they have to answer to the governors, viziers, and ultimately the, the pharaoh. The Egyptians also traded with their neighbors all around the Mediterranean Sea and to Egypt's south. Their biggest trade partner was Punt, which would be in modern-day African countries of Sudan and Ethiopia. From Punt, they traded for ebony, gold, incense, ivory, timber, wild animals, and slaves. Some other goods they traded for are olive oil, pottery, and bronze. The Egyptians were su very successful at growing grain, so they would trade grain for the goods they wanted. They could also trade fruits and vegetables these other places. In 3100 BC, Pharaoh Menes united the kingdoms of Upper and Lower Egypt. Menes is considered to be the first Pharaoh. Ancient Egyptian history is usually split into three parts, the Old, Middle, and New Kingdoms. The Old Kingdom lasts from about 2,686 BC to 2,125 BC, so about 561 years. It is during this time period that most of the pyramids are made, including Khufu's Great Pyramid. During the Middle Kingdom, which lasts from 2,055 BC to 1,650 BC, Egypt conquered the Nubians to the south and the Syrians to the east. This time period is mostly known for its amazing art and literature. Because of its amazing art and literature, it is sometimes referred to as the Golden Age of Ancient Egypt. During the New Kingdom, which lasts from 1550 BC to 1070 BC, Egypt becomes even more rich and powerful. Pharaohs like Ramses II and Hatshepsut have huge statues and mon monuments built mostly to honor themselves. Egypt ar Egypt's army conquers Kush, Nubia, Israel, and Lebanon. And this is the time period of the Ramses the Great, or Ramses II, and Hatshepsut, and King Tut. Hatshepsut was Egypt's first female pharaoh. She had to work hard to prove herself as a leader. She often wore men's clothing to convince people that she could handle the job that had previously been only done by men. She didn't want them to think of her as a woman. She wanted people to think of her as just the pharaoh. Unlike most of the male pharaohs who focused on the military, Hatshepsut focused on trade and the economy. So she helped make Egypt wealthy through trade and trade agreements with their neighbors. Ramses II restored the empire to its former glory and wealth because he was an effective military commander. He fought wars to make the empire larger. He also signed the first peace treaty to end the war with the Hittites. 
he, was, he also built many new temples and statues, mostly to honor himself. In fact, if he saw a statue another pharaoh had made that he liked, he would have their name taken off and his name put on. Historians refer to Ramses II as Ramses the Great. He ruled over Egypt for 66 years, which was super long, especially back then. The average life expectancy for an Egyptian back then was about 30 years old. Ramses lived to the age of 91. Even though this isn't have to do with his, with his job as pharaoh, probably some of the most interesting things about Ramses II is he is also known for the fact that during his lifetime, he had over 200 wives and 107 children. He lived so long that his 12 oldest sons died before him, so that when he died, his 13th oldest son became pharaoh, and he was 60 years old. We also talked about boy pharaoh King Tut. He became pharaoh at the age of 9 and died at the age of 19. He was not famous at all for what he did as a pharaoh. He wasn't very good at being pharaoh at all, really. He is famous because Howard Carter discovered his tomb in 1922. The tomb he was left untouched or seen by humans for over 3,000 years. So the discovery of this tomb in the Valley of Kings, uh, Valley of the Kings gave us a really good idea of what kind of treasure might have been in other tombs before they had been robbed. So Egyptian society, the top of the social pyramid was the pharaoh and they were the king or queen of Egypt. The title was passed down through their family, which is called a dynasty. The pharaoh was considered to be a deity, which is another word for a god. Underneath the pharaoh were the priests, nobles, and scribes. A noble is a rich person with high influence on society. Next were the merchants and artisans. Merchants were the ones who ran businesses and shops, and artisans produced things like linen cloth, jewelry, pottery, and metal goods. Underneath them was the farmers and servants, who were a very important group, but they didn't have much power. And finally, at the bottom of their pyramid was the slaves. We also discover, discussed what a civilization and a culture is. A civilization is an advanced state of human society in which there is advancements in learning the arts. And another word that will come up couple times this year is culture and that's the shared language art religion and history of a group of people so there's no bonus for this week's episode because you could get bonus for completing your study guide i hope this helps and i'll be back with you next week ciao bella